Love is impatient and irritable. Love is green with envy and boasts with pride. Love demands its own way, becoming more certain argument by argument. Love keeps a record of wrongs and rarely cleans the slate. Love celebrates when others are getting what they deserve and often hides the truth. Love gives up when faith is lost and trust is broken. Love withers in despair and rarely withstands the test of time. You're listening to the In All Podcast. This episode tells the story of a misfit, messed up, or marginalized person in the Bible. Someone who found grace when they were expecting judgment. Someone whom Jesus surprised with welcome, love, or forgiveness. These stories are curated by Mercy Street, a church community in Houston, Texas. We believe God is in all places and working in all people to create a safe harbor of hope and restoration. Go to inallexperience.org to find your story in all stories and see how we all find God in all our stories. This is hardly a greeting card you would want to receive in the mail. And it's uh, definitely not the exact words of the most read passage of wedding ceremonies. But as provocative as that reading was today, the real words would have been just as provocative in the time in which they were written by Paul to a diverse group of house churches in the city of Corinth. They were provocative because the churches in Corinth were riddled with disagreements. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It is not envious. Those would have been words of a tall measure for the churches in Corinth. And in today's world where there is some place within each one of us that recognizes that human relationships are fragile and messy, we see impatience, irritability, pride, a demanding of our own way. We see certainty fueled by selective hearing and echo chamber thinking. And so we need to be reminded that in the fragility of human relationships, parent and child, siblings, friendships, marriage, any group of persons gathered for a common purpose, that those relationships are fragile and need to be anchored in a love, a love greater than any of us can imagine, a God-given love that fosters patience, clears the slate of wrongdoing, and stands the test of time. When we hear the passage from 1 Corinthians, sure, the the first thought may be a nervous bridesmaid or a first cousin twice removed reading the passage at a wedding. But those words were calling the Corinthians and calling us to forget about our polarizing divides and to bring us back to the center of the Christian life, to the center of the gospel, love God and love neighbor as yourself. So let's look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 13 and think about the setting in which it would have originally been heard. A little bit of background on Paul and the city in Corinth. Paul lived in Corinth for 18 months. His ministry began by teaching in the synagogues to the Jews, explaining Jesus was the Messiah. And in the process, many Jews were converted. But after a growing resistance and actually being arrested and put on trial, Paul was kicked out of the synagogues 
and so began to focus his time on the Gentiles. And so in this ancient city of Corinth in the early church, there were already divisions, educated, uneducated, Jew, Gentile, social elite, social underdog. Paul writes to the church in Corinth as one of their leaders, but there were other leaders who had invested in these small house churches in Corinth. One was Peter, and we know a lot about Peter from the gospel stories, but the other was Apollos. He was from Alexandria. You can check out his story in Acts chapter 18. Apollos had a charming personality. His charisma captivated audiences. He brought the full influence of his Alexandrian roots and education, and he brought the story of God to new light. Yet his knowledge was incomplete. And so two early disciples, Priscilla and Aquila, instructed Apollos in the way of the baptism of the Spirit. And so Paul, who was not known to be an impassioned speech giver, he was more courageous with his pen than with his words. Apollos was the one that brought together the masses. And so there'd been a spiritual awakening in Corinth. Small churches had formed around these different leaders. You might say there was the first church of Paul, the first church of Apollos, the first and second church of Peter, each group pledging their allegiance, first to the gospel, but then soon to their charismatic leader. Now, one more other piece of background about Corinth. Paul doesn't talk about love as some foreign concept when he is trying to knit together the disagreements that existed. No, he refers to love because the temple of love used to be the largest temple in the city of Corinth, the temple to Aphrodite. In Paul's day, it would have stood in ruins, but the tall columns still would have reminded everyone in the city of Corinth of the former worship of nearly 1,000 cult prostitutes at the temple to Aphrodite. So here is a, a quote about the city of Corinth. Corinth contained the temple to Aphrodite that stood at the summit of the Acro-Corinth. It had fallen into ruins by Paul's time, but the successors to this temple still employed nearly 1,000 cult prostitutes. Many of them were no doubt housed in the lofts above the more than 30 wine shops which covered the streets. Corinth was a city that catered to sailors and traveling salesmen. And so even by the time of Paul, it had earned an unsavory reputation for a libertine atmosphere. And to call someone a Corinthian was to basically call their morals into question. So all of this is important background to understand. Why Paul speaks about love rooted in God and through Christ. Why Paul is naming the divisions that existed within the church of Corinth, different leaders. The other disagreements that existed were uh, family members who were torn apart at the seams, disagreements over who had the better spiritual gift. So imagine now that you are reading this letter in a small house church of 25 to 50 people. The sun is set. You're gathered at the cover of night. The house where you meet is large enough to host everyone in an enclosed courtyard, and as you share a meal together, 
you read these words. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for the gift of tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it too will come to an end. For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now we know in part, but soon we will be fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, and the greatest of these is love. You can almost feel the silence as these words are read from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Read perhaps in a household that had been arguing that their leader, Apollos, was the best and brightest. The philosophies he offered were far better than any sign or wonder. And as these words were read, you were reminded that love is what matters most. Love is what unites us together. Even today, we need love to lift up our eyes above the partisan divide. We need love to remind us that it's not so much about a person or a personality which draws us into the gospel message, but it is this mission of love. Brian McLaren, in his most recent book, The Great Spiritual Migration, said maybe we should start referring to churches not as institutions or organizations, but as studios of love. Love is that self-giving, all-encompassing, time-tested gift. Love is that presence that comforts us when the strands of faith are frayed. And yes, love is even the thing that brings us back together when the laundry is left in the spare bedroom for two weeks. Love brings spouses back together when one feels envious of the other. Love comforts us when our need for affection goes unnoticed. And love believes the best days are never behind us, but always in front of us. Love pulls us towards a hopeful future, makes it possible to stay in the midst of conflict, to show back up at the table and to endure the pain. And so where today do you need to receive the love of God? Where or maybe in what group are you experiencing conflict or divide? Where's God calling you to receive and to share love? For love is the greatest gift of all. Thanks for listening. 
When we gather in homes or coffee shops to listen to the In All podcast, we've saved you a seat. Go to inallexperience.org to check out locations for the In All groups in Houston.